In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Simon was fearless. Any good fisherman of the day had to be. Long hours, sleepless nights, unsuccessful days of trolling the waters, being buffeted by the storms, working under the burning sun. He knew that these things were the way of the world, that this was the life of a fisherman. It was dangerous, back-breaking work. Simon knew the risks, but he loved his work. And so even on this day, as he sat with his partners, mending their nets, Simon didn't complain. Working all night, they had caught nothing. But Simon wasn't afraid. He had seen fruitless nights before. He knew that the good Lord would provide in his time and in his way. But on this day, it seemed that the sun's light was maybe a little cheerier, a hopeful kind of light. And there was an anticipation in the air. The crowds were seeking a new preacher. He spoke the word of God, and the spirit of the Lord was upon him. So it was that as Simon and his fellow fishermen were patiently and methodically mending their nets, the crowds following Jesus were pressing him to the shore. So eager, so eagerly were they seeking to hear God's word that Jesus got into Simon's boat and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Now, though tired from the night's work and probably eager to go home, he did as the master commanded. Sitting down, he taught the people the word of God. Now, we aren't told what he had to say that day. St. Luke, I think, is interested in telling us a different story right now. But we know that he spoke of the kingdom of God. He preached the good news of salvation. He brought joy to his hearers. The crowd heard no fear in his sermon, only hope and promise and fulfillment, because the Messiah had come to set all things right. So when he had finished preaching, he turned to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon knew how strange the instruction was. Fishing was done at night. Fishing was done in the shallow water. And he was tired. So Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. You see, Simon understood the order of the world. He knew that everything happened according to the master's word. He knew that God had created by his word, that God had given Adam and Eve every green plant for food, that all was provided for them. He knew how Adam and Eve had disregarded God's word 
choosing to listen to another word instead, a word that brought in death and destruction and evil and decay. He knew that their sin had resulted in destructive storms, unfruitful work, and yes, unsuccessful nights of fishing. But he also knew something else. He knew that God didn't stop speaking when Adam had sinned. There were curses pronounced on the world because of the sin, and especially a curse for the serpent, the ruler of darkness. But there was also a curse for man. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Man would have to work for his food. It's why Simon has to fish. But more than a curse here, there is also a promise. Only by the sweat of his face would man eat bread. But also God's word said that bread would come by man's work. So that even as God had cursed the ground, he promised to provide for man by this very word. So Simon understood this, and day by day he lived his life by God's word. Even after an unfruitful night, he knew that all good things come by the Lord's hand. So when Simon hears this instruction, he says, at your word, I will let down the nets. And so it was. They let down their nets, and suddenly they were filled with fish, filled to the brim and overflowing, stretching their nets, breaking them, straining their backs as they pulled. And calling their partners in the other boat, they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Never before had they seen or even imagined a catch like this. Though they knew that God blessed them with fish by his word, they had never imagined a catch like this, and never a blessing like this. But if God were to withdraw his word, they would have nothing. Without God's word, there would be no enjoyment, no food, no life. But now, now with God's word, now with several months' wages sitting in their boats, they could have a great sail and finally even go on vacation. Even as they saw the boats filled with fish and sinking, and sinking under the weight, they couldn't believe it. But still, their work wasn't over. Once they brought the boats to shore, there would be sorting and packing, getting the fish ready for market. But where, where was Simon? He had been working so hard to help them but now it seems he's missing. Where could he have gone? Oh, there, there he is, over there in the corner of the boat, bowing down among the fish. He has fallen on his face at Jesus' knees. Everyone in these boats 
was marveling at the fantastic catch of fish. But Simon was doing something more. Simon wasn't just astonished. Simon was afraid. Listen, can you hear what he is praying? Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Can you hear the fear in his voice? He knows what the writer to the Hebrews means. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Simon is not just in the presence of a prophet or preacher, not even just a miracle worker or a man of God. He is face down in a boat full of fish in front of God himself. Simon knows that he is a sinner and that the Lord is holy. So he is afraid. He knows what happens to sinners who stand, who stand before God's face. He knows that nothing holy can stand before the Lord, that God's wrath burns against sinners. Though his boat was big, it wasn't big enough for God and a sinner. You know this fear, don't you? Children know the fear that comes when they realize their parents know that they have done something wrong. Workers and students know what it is to be caught by their boss or their professor. And sinners know the shame of breaking God's law. You know what it is to realize that you cannot stand before him, that you are unworthy and undeserving of every single blessing. You, like Peter, know and feel your sinfulness. So what do you do when you are afraid like this? You probably want to get away from your teacher or your boss or your parents, maybe even all the above. You want them to leave you alone and never have anything to do with you again. You want to be free from the guilt that comes when you look at them or hear their voice, or say their name. Maybe you hope that those who look down on your sin would just disappear. You want their influence and memory far from you. You want to, in the, way, in the words of today's culture, you want to cancel them. And maybe, when you know and feel your sin, There's part of you that wants the same thing from God. It's what Simon does. When he realizes that he is afraid, he asks for the cause, or at least what he thinks is the cause of his fear, to go away. Because Simon and you and me and all of us are sinners. And we do what sinners do. When we are afraid... We want the cause of our fear to go away. It's like if we see an animal that frightens us, we are happier when the animal is taken away or it's contained in some way. Just so, when you know and you feel your guilt, you fear punishment, and you want the cause of your fear to go away. And rather than rightly see the cause of your fear, you seek to avoid the one who has brought you to see your guilt. 
whether that be mom or dad, teacher or boss, friend or pastor, another Christian. You want them out of your life to go away and leave you alone. You think things will be better that way. And we don't just wish for these things to happen. Sometimes we cause them. Sometimes someone hears God's law and finds it too harsh, too condemning, too mean. And when he stops reading the Bible, he finds that he can imagine that God is a nice guy, that he finds that he can enjoy the pleasure of sin, that he finds a God who loves him and everything that he wants and does. So sometimes Christians even do what Simon did. When he saw that it was Jesus who caused him to see his sin, all he could hope for was for the God whose holiness burned like fire to leave him alone. Simon has finally been blessed with a catch of fish beyond his wildest dreams. But that blessing threatens to destroy him, to send his boat to the bottom of the lake, to destroy everything. Even God's blessings, it seems, can show man's frailty. But if God will only leave him alone, Simon might continue his life in peace. So he bows down, face in the fish, and begs for the only good thing that could possibly relieve a sinner's guilt. He begs Jesus to go away. But this, this is a request that Jesus will not grant. He says to Simon, The Father's wrath that rightly belongs to you because of your sin, I will bear it and he will be merciful and loving to you. The destruction that your sin has earned, I will take it. The condemnation that belongs to you, I will receive. All this is wrapped up in Jesus' little statement to Simon, do not be afraid. This is Simon's only true comfort. The comfort that Simon seeks apart from Jesus is false, temporary, deceiving, and lying. Only Jesus will truly take away his fear. And so now, this same Jesus, who stood before Simon in the boat, who had filled the boat with fish, he comes and stands before you today in his flesh and blood. Nothing in this world is more pure or holy than he. And you come into this place where he is, bringing your unholiness, your filth, your sin, your unkind words and perverted thoughts. You come into this place that isn't possibly big enough for God and sinners where there isn't enough room between the chancel, this space at the front with altar and font and lectern and pulpit, there isn't enough space between what is holy 
and the sinners gathered in the pews. So maybe you try not to think about how this space is holy. Maybe you want this space to look happy and approachable, as if it's perfectly safe to walk up here, and there's no possibility of danger for you. You will shortly approach this place. You will come to this altar, to the place where you encounter the holiest things in all the world. But how can you come in your sin? How can you bring what is unholy into this place? How can you dare to stand before God's unholiness? When you realize your sin cannot stand before a righteous and holy God, maybe you are tempted to cry out like Simon, Depart from me, for I am a sinner, O Lord. But Jesus hasn't come into this place to consume or destroy you. He has not come here in wrath and displeasure. Jesus has not come to abandon sinners in their sin. He hasn't come to walk away from Simon. He hasn't come to forsake you to destruction. He hasn't come to leave you condemned. So to us, Jesus says, do not fear. I have come to this place. I have come to you to give you the forgiveness of your sins. See, here is the blood that I shed for you. Here is the body crucified for you. These holy things are now handed over to you to make you holy. By my giving, you are made fit to stand in my presence. And as I continue to keep you in this faith and life, I will bring you with me to be with me forever in heaven. So, dear sinners, do not be afraid. God's wrath has been spent on Jesus, and there is none left for you, nothing for you to fear. Dear saints, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What happens here is so very different from the ways of the world. The Lord rules his church by his word, his gracious, inviting, saving, blessing, forgiving word. In this place, the word does everything. There is no coercion or forcing, only the word. In our nation today, we remember the 4th of July, and we recall the history of this great nation that our Lord has blessed. It is good for us to give thanks to God for the place where he has put us, to pray for this nation and to commend her to God, to pray for her rulers and her government. But the state that is, the government, does not rule by grace. The state rules by force, by coercion, by threat of punishment. The state, too, can make unjust and unrighteous laws. The state can fail in its duty. It can sanction sin and despise righteousness. 
though the state rules by power, if God were to withdraw his word from it, it would fall to nothing. Everything. Everything depends on the Lord's word. So when we come into this place where the Lord's word is proclaimed for us, we are in the place where the Lord brings his holiness and his gifts. And for a little while, every Sunday morning, the Lord takes us out of the world and puts us in his presence in heaven itself. This place, we might say, is an embassy of heaven. And just as a foreign embassy is a part of a separate sovereign nation, the Lord rules differently here than in the world. It's one of the reasons that it's a sort of a curiosity that American flags found their way into chancels. That the place where God comes in all his holiness the very embassy of heaven, also displays the flag of a foreign nation. Now that's probably something to discuss more at another time, but it is worthwhile for us to consider what this space communicates. Do we see the reality of what is happening here? That in this place, the Holy Lord of all comes down from heaven to be with sinners, to forgive them. It's what Jesus does today, and it's what he was doing in Simon's fishing boat that day. Now Simon's sins are forgiven, but Jesus isn't done with him yet. Jesus now calls Simon into the service of the Lord's church, where he will preach the gospel in Jesus' name. He will call sinners to repentance, He will let down the nets of God's word. He will be a fisher of men. And then, just as Jesus was faithful to fill their fishing nets with literal fish, so also will he be faithful to bring other sinners to faith by his word. If he withdraws his word, there is nothing but where he, bestows, where he bestows his word, there is blessing and forgiveness and salvation and freedom and life. And this is what the Lord Jesus does. According to his word, the church lets down the nets for a catch, and the Lord sets to work, calling, gathering, enlightening, saving, blessing, keeping. The Lord grant all of us to be caught up in the net of his gospel. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.